I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. back to the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. Let's get the show underway. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I am your host, Brandon Day. Along with me tonight, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, what's up tonight? How are we doing? We are good. I have a kitten sleeping on me. I've had some wine. We're really just living our best lives. (laughs) Yep, this this is the nightcap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we've got some good stuff today. Um, Sadly, for any Tigers fan who's not in the Detroit area, I don't think anyone gets to see any of this stuff. Or maybe there's clips later on that they'll post, but... The Tigers have been um, running their live stream via Fox Sports Detroit, and so we had like a little night game tonight, which was pretty cool, and uh, it was weird. Um, it's I've seen a few of these now, um, even though they've been mostly during the day, during work hours, but it's been interesting. Um, tonight they were piping in crowd noise for the first time as, as an experiment, and that, like at first, they I, something was wrong, I think, because it was all loud and weird sounding, and then uh, it seemed like they got it dialed in, and it didn't really bother me. It's just sort of like... Just to have that sort of white noise underneath everything, like that, low, just that crowd yeah. low roar, um, didn't really bother me. So I don't know if they're going to do that, but um, they I, I are actually. I are they? think they said all thirty teams are going to do it, and from what I heard, unless this was just a joke, but I think it's legit, is that it's going to be the same crowd noise that they use in MLB The Show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, see, I hadn't read that. Oh, that's great. Well, that makes sense because it did kind of sound like it. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's weird. I mean, I guess as a TV, since it's just a TV program now and no one can watch in person, I guess having uh, having a laugh track or, or some background crowd noise is okay. Yeah. Um, I would. I don't know. I I hope they don't drown out the players though, because one of the best things about all this has been being able to really clearly hear the players get excited about stuff and and cheering and yelling and screaming about things. So hopefully. Well, I hope uh... they continue to like mic up players. That for me has been so much fun. Yeah. For like. When it when it does happen, I think I've heard somewhere that like they have or are going to mic up Christian Yelich for a game, and like you know it's it's fun to get these guys on mic, and I hope they do more of it. Yeah, you know they don't have to be on there all game long, but if you could just like a couple innings, you know, rather than kind of doing the thing where you talk to the manager or the you know you, you talk to the pitching coach and stuff, and they just kind of are mid game and just trying to get rid of you for the most part. It's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I would rather hear from the hear from the players and uh, and see from the players' perspective. I mean, I don't know. All you can do in this this situation, I guess, is is try things. Like if you're going to try to have this season anyway, like experimenting um, seems seems like the way to go. And they've done some things like having the helmet cam on the catcher. Um, That's fun. I yeah. like that. Yeah, like it's a weird view because you can't 
I mean, you really can't see that well, um, but you do get kind of a sense for what it actually looks like when a dude's coming way down the mound at you and, and throwing the ball past you before you can kind of see what's even going on. Yeah, I like it because it really does just kind of drive home, no pun intended, um, how fast those pitches are coming at you. I think you don't really like see it the same way from the side. Um, and it just, yeah, it's it's a really kind of daunting look at things. Like It's like, <laughs> oh, that does come at <laughs> yeah it's just like a little like little bug just whizzing past you yeah yeah um i mean i still prefer the, the center field cam for the most part and i hope that that's mostly what they do but i think like yeah with each pitcher if you could mix in a couple from behind home plate it's cool um it kind of shows or you like throw it in there as like a replay shot like you know oh, yeah. get your things and then oh let's look at the catcher's eye view it's like when they do those 4k slowed down ones where it shows you the swing at like super slow-mo yeah where you see um, the dust coming off the bat and stuff like that yeah yeah i love that it's just like an alternate like it's not teaching you anything but it's just kind of fun to watch yeah, it just gives you a little bit of a different different look at it. I love that super slow-mo because you can see that the bats like actually bend a little bit. Like there's that oh much. Oh my god, yeah. And you see the ball compress on the bat. That that stuff is cool. And they and they're going to have to pull out all the stops with these kind of uh these kind of tricks to uh to make this as good a product as it's going to be this year. Um you know, the other thing I like about it too is you kind of get to see like who gets down the mound at you fast. You can you can kind of see like the the angle that the pitcher throws from, you know, whether it's like Boyd coming from way to your, you know, to your right as a, as a hitter, or whether it's, you know, Matt Manning coming like way down the mound, like this super tall kid, just like feeling like he's like in your face before he lets the thing yeah. go. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool that way. But of course this is all just in service of the Riley Green show uh, right now, because Riley Green is just out there like just, just doing ridiculous things it seems like every game um he homered off matt manning tonight he's, he, he's like auditioning like you know how yeah. they say towards the postseason like everybody's really really just angling to make the team next year and when you hit september everyone's really just auditioning for a job i feel like that's what riley green's doing right now he's like look guys i know i'm 19 i know i'm young but like i'm good like put <laughs> yeah. me in coach you know what i mean like and he's just, he's so fun to watch. And I think it's been a really long time since we've had that. Like, somebody fun. Somebody, like, just riveting that makes you want to see what he's going to do next. And I mean, like, Derek Hill, to a lesser extent, same kind of thing. But, like, Riley Green's just been amazing. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, some of the, I go back to when, before they drafted him and some of the reports, you know. And, and this is the way it goes. You know, 2019 draft, by the time that comes around, it's June. And some of the reports are on him from, like, the previous summer. And, you know, there was a lot of concern, like, well, you know, I mean, he might be able to play right field for you, but we don't know if he has enough speed. Um, and, he, and, you know, he said it in a few interviews that he really, like, took that as, like, a, you know, kind of an FU from from scouts and went, like, 100% to work on that stuff. Um, got himself, like, a, you know, a specific CrossFit trainer. You know, worked on all that. Worked on his burst, his speed, flexibility, the whole thing. And um, also looks like he's put on, you know, maybe 15 pounds of good muscle since the last time we saw him last year. And he's just out there just killing it and just running all over the field. Um, he made a diving play down the right field line playing right field tonight. He made a leaping over the wall home run robbery of CJ Crone a couple days ago in left field. He's made mm -hmm. a couple nice running catches in center field. I mean, he's just kind of all over the place out there. And I, you know, I don't know if he's if he's going to stay in center field or if he can actually like play that in center field regularly, but man, 
he just one of those dudes that does seem to have knack for for rising to the moment when when he needs to. You know, he's in there with the big boys, and uh, and it seems to show because yeah, he's he's getting it done. Well, I mean, the fact that he's standing out against the big boys is a really good sign. Like you look at that, and you're like, who are we talking about coming out of? like summer camp we're not talking about miguel cabrera we're not talking i mean cj Cron, yeah i'm not mad at how he's been doing but like we're talking about riley green and i think that says something yeah yeah i mean i can't really think of anyone else who stood out as much um in the, the limited amount of games that we've that we've been able to see um you know there's been some good p- pitching performances like roni garcia's look pretty good nolan blackwood like two guys that are kind of like you know we'll probably get a spot in the bullpen. Um, I'm not hundred percent on Blackwood, but both of them, you know, have a shot at that Garcia, because he's a rule five guy will almost certainly have a shot at it. Um, but yeah, they, they've looked kind of good and it's been sort of like the, you know, the veterans and the guys who you'd expect a little bit more of who, uh, who haven't really been sharp. Um, Matt Boyd hasn't looked particularly good. Um, Jordan Zimmerman's look like Jordan Zimmerman. <laughs> Ivan Nova Homer struggled a little bit, but I think that's to be expected. Yeah. I mean, he's, just coming back i think we'll see him kind of steady himself out the problem is is that there's not really a lot of time to steady out and i i know i think even Gardy said that he actually might consider using fulmer in an opener kind of role yeah which i think you and i kind of talked about last time about how now is the time for them to really play around and do weird things with pitching and with everything and I could see him being a really solid candidate for like just going two or three innings tops and then getting swapped out. And I think that's actually a really smart way to use him. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. It's, um, I mean, it, it makes sense like from a competitive standpoint. And then, yeah, it also makes sense just from the fact that like, you know, some of these guys look more stretched out than others. And obviously, yeah, in a Michael Fulmer's case, you know, they, they need to work with him slowly and not, you know, expect him to go out there and throw 90 to a hundred pitches and, and have his old velocity back and all that. And he just, he just needs to get some work. So yeah, maybe you could pair him up with, um, I think garden hire himself even suggested maybe Tyler Alexander, which is kind of a good pairing to go right, left, um, something like that could work. Um, yeah. So who else has looked good? Spencer Turnbull's looked pretty good for the most part. It hasn't had great command, but the stuff looks, looks really good, but probably Casey Mize has looked like the best pitcher in, in camp so far. Um, go, which, go figure. <laughs> which isn't terribly surprising. I, I would have guessed it would be Matt Boyd, but, um, but yeah, Casey, uh, Casey looks pretty darn close to being, being ready. Um, it's pretty hard to get a read of course, too, when you're, you know, they're, they're playing against each other. Like the first few games you had, you know, the catchers calling balls and strikes, which must have been awkward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so obviously we're not getting like the the legit 100% look at, at what's going on. But um, but yeah, overall, I mean, Casey's look pretty good. Um, it feels more and more like that, that they're going to, you know, that they're going to bring him up sometime this year to pitch. So yeah, uh, I think we can feel fairly confident in that. Uh, you know, I think the calculation is that one day of, of one day of service time in this season is worth like 2.8 total so that it all, the 60 games all comes out to a, a full season. So, you know, if they just like Casey, like work up to 90 pitches, he'll, he'll probably be there, you know, early, mid August. And it, he also won't lose a year of service time. So it should all come together without them having to manipulate anything or get too crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll, we'll see that. Um, and then, you know, and there's been some pretty, you know, pretty high end prospect talent on display. We haven't really seen a whole lot from, uh, Spencer Torkelson. Um, we've talked a lot about Riley Green, but, uh, Matt Manning's been out there. Uh, we've seen Derek Hill making a whole bunch of Derek Hill type diving plays in the outfield, which he does. 
Um, so yeah, all that is, uh, all that's been pretty encouraging. Um, it's just so, you know, we, we normally think of spring training as like a, you know, an exhibition and like a hard time to really like get a read on, on how anybody's going to actually do in the season. And this feels even worse. Like some guys seem like they're, you know, they've been prepped for three months and other guys look like they kind of lost, you know, lost a step and are trying to, yeah. trying to get back. So. Well, it's tough too comparing it to spring training because in spring training, yeah, it's everyone kind of just you know stretching out and shaking off the the cobwebs, but also at least you're seeing them up against other teams. Yeah. So you're actually seeing how they are faring against like active players on other rosters, and all we've really been able to see so far is how the Tigers are doing against the Tigers, and it you know it's going well slash terribly depending <laughs> on which perspective you look at it, and I mean. Sports Illustrated just released an article yesterday or the day before, but which teams they anticipate being the worst in the shortened season. And of course, everybody's like Orioles, Tigers, Marlins. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's not a huge surprise based on all the predictions going into what what the normal season was supposed to look like. But at the same time, I mean, I'm not saying the Tigers are going to like bust out the gate and suddenly Mm -hmm. make it to the postseason. They could. It's a weird season to begin with. So who even knows what will happen? Yeah. But I, I think it's also going to be a very different team and a different outcome than what it would have been if it was a normal season. Because we are going to see some some different players and some different moves than what we would have seen if it was a standard baseball 162-game season. So I'm actually curious to see if the same kind of predictions that people had for the Tigers will stand. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because it is, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, just to, to bring up the Jordan Zimmerman example, like, you know, we're not going to have three months of or four months of Jordan Zimmerman in the rotation. Maybe we wouldn't have anyway, but, you know, I assume if he's not pitching very well, you know, and, you know, they're a week or two into the season, he's going to get bumped to some kind of middle relief role, which we know that they probably wouldn't have done, you know, in the first part of the year. But we're so close to the end. Um, it's just kind of a kind of a mad dash sprint. Um Trying to trying to keep people healthy, which I don't know is is going about as well as you'd expect, I guess. Um, it not, is. Not did te- you? It hasn't been terrible, but you know, then you also see like you know the the competitive nature of the season is also just kind of being borked by the fact that guys are opting out. You just never know what guys you know home circumstances are like. You know what the health conditions of their their family members or well, themselves are. It's like I mean, can't blame you look them at a bit. like no, you can't blame anybody for doing it. Like you look at. Like Buster Posey is a great example. Like he just opted out of the season because he and his wife just adopted preemie twins. Yeah. So like, of course, like, of course you're not going to play a season when you have like premature twins in like NICU. Yeah. <laughs> that like yeah. are already so fragile and you're going to have to be spending all that time in a hospital anyway. No. I mean, like you, you, nobody owes us an explanation and i know we've talked about that before but i mean the explanations we're getting i think are very valid yeah yeah for sure and and obviously like since these guys are little i mean we all go through this in in our in our own ways everybody not just baseball players but you know like it's it's on it's on them to like you know show up and play through pain and you know do what needs to be done all all that kind of stuff so you can tell that it's you know it's a painful thing to have to announce they know they're going to take some grief for it 
And then you've got guys like on the other side of it, you know, like Daniel Norris, who obviously desperately wants to play and is apparently feeling, you know, basically 100% again, but still has, you know, has a little of the COVID still in there, um, mm-hmm. tipping the test to, to negative. And you just don't know how long that'll that'll take because um, in some cases people are healthy and like still testing positive for weeks. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know, it's pretty weird. Um I mean, overall, I think we would both agree that this isn't really going to be like what you would think of as a legitimate season because so much of it is going to just come down to like which team is is lucky enough to stay healthy, which team, I guess, maybe does the best with their wearing masks and washing hands and distancing and stuff like that. But we don't have um, fan graph metrics for all that. So it's pretty hard to predict. Like, who's the cleanliest guy on that team? Who's the who's the shut in who won't even go out to a bar, you know, when things are fine and all that, all those kind of metrics. We, well, would, uh, we would need. It's also kind of scary and a little gross to have to imagine that, like, but was it one of the guys from the Astros who said that, like, the team that wins the World Series this year is going to be the team that has the fewest people get COVID? I've said that too, unfortunately. And, like, yeah. And it's true. And it's such a grim outlook. And I don't know. And it, it just, like, it, it's a terrible, terrible thing to say that, like, the team that has the fewest members put in like life threatening danger is the one that has the best chance of winning. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's why, you know, I think, yeah, we, we should really just be taking this as like, you know, the players really desperately want to play baseball. We want to watch baseball and that's all this is, you know, it's not, it's, it's just going to be some baseball um, with major league players, but you know, worrying about who wins what and, you know, I mean, if you win the World Series this year, like, I'm sorry, but, you know. <laughs> doesn't really count. Doesn't really count. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's really going to like care Like, the same thing, like, if you win the Cy Young this year, like, is anybody really going to be like, yeah, congrats on your six wins? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just kind of ridiculous. You know, and I've heard people argue that, like, well, they're all playing by the same rules. And it's like, well, yeah, they are. But there's a reason that you have 162 games in baseball, unlike anything else. And it's... Because there's so much chance in baseball and you need a long season to really kind of sort things out, see who can hold up for the whole season, who has the deep enough roster to do that. There's a whole host of reasons why you need that many games to to kind of make it clear. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I understand how it goes. Once there's baseball on TV, like I'm rooting for the Tigers, I want to win, blah, blah, blah. It just takes you over. But yeah, we're just going to have the split personality all, all season long between like yeah, we want baseball and we want our team to win, but mostly we just kind of want to like get through this and make sure people are as, as healthy as we can keep them. So, well, it's just like me on Twitter. It's like, hey, we should probably cancel all sports this year because this is dangerous and stupid. And then I see Derek Hill make an amazing catch, and I'm like, yes, the future <laughs> is bright. Yeah. Just give me all the clips, and it's very hard to find the balance between those two things. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, and from, you know, all of our perspective, you know, who are who are back at work and everything, it's also like, well, we're back at work in, you know, subpar <laughs> conditions taking our chances here so i guess like they they have to too and at least they have you know a lot better resources sort of to deal with it so mm-hmm. and they work outside for the most part so hopefully uh hopefully all these things will, will lead us to not have any major catastrophes you know you and i were talking about that the 2018 influenza baseball article a little bit and um, the 1918 influenza baseball yeah did i say 20 you sure did well, yeah damn it <laughs> um, yeah, the, the 1918 is slight difference. The so-called Spanish flu pandemic yes. of 1918. But yeah, that um, you know there was like an umpire, like a really well-regarded umpire who who died from the Spanish flu. And obviously, the Spanish flu was you know 
much more deadly. It was the last like crazy, crazily deadly like global pandemic. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there there weren't too many people who passed away in that. So I was sort of like, well, that doesn't really, um, I don't know how how comparable any of this is going to be, but hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we can come out without anybody, anybody passing away or being horribly sick and, yeah, well, I think that's the real, that would be the real win, right? Like, I don't care who wins the World Series at this point, unless it's the Tigers. But like, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's, or the race. But, that's the dual personality um, again. Yep. <laughs> but like, I think that the only way you can count this this season as a win at all is if everybody comes out of it alive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm trying to be trying to be optimistic. Like the, you know, obviously the mortality rate has come down a lot as they've if they've tested a lot of people. It doesn't 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 seem quite so bad on that score anymore, but there's just still the the fact that anybody who gets it, you know, even if you're not particularly at risk of, of death from it, um, you know, a lot of people are knocked out for months at a time and, you know, not getting their, their breathing back and still having chest pain and having, you know, heart issues from clotting and all that kind of stuff. I mean, any of those things are possible. So yeah, I'm just, uh, just saying the prayers here and, uh, hoping we can, uh, keep keep that stuff at bay as as much as possible because yeah it's gonna be gonna be hella awkward to be enjoying the game and like watching on the ticker like oh so-and-so is really sick and in, in icu somewhere you know some other player so it's uh definitely weird times but uh you know gotta go on i guess <laughs> if that's the way they've, they've decided to run it then yes they do have to go on yeah i think that was one of the questions I mean, that we, we got <laughs> we, i mean we both Twitter. oh yeah yep Will there be a season? And I'm like, well, I'll tell you on July 24th. A lot of people are still just like, nah, there's just no way. So, you know, there's a wide range of opinion and, and nobody knows. But, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely in a just enjoy it while you can kind of kind of position, unfortunately. Well, it's going to be tricky, too, because we've already seen teams like the Nationals and like the Dodgers kind of get hampered by local restrictions as well. Right. Yeah. Because we're seeing kind of some crackdowns in the Los Angeles and D.C. areas um, in, involving kind of the uptick of cases. So that's something else we have to kind of keep an eye on because they may it may not be up to MLB <laughs> at a certain point whether or not those games can go on. Right. Yeah. So there's all sorts of things that could happen. And I'm sure in those cities, they're already looking at alternatives. I know the the Blue Jays have obviously been struggling to find a place to play because the Canadian border shutdown has just been extended to August 21st and all sorts of difficulties there. I think they're like looking at Buffalo, but yeah, it's um lots of, Lots of things need to be resolved before the season can happen. And since we're already, what, we're eight days away? Yeah, n- nine, I guess. Yeah. Nine days away? Yeah. Um, they got to work on getting that done pretty quickly. Right. And, you know, and, and it seems like it took, like, at least the first week just to kind of get the, the testing problems sorted out and actually get, getting everybody back to practicing. Um, the Giants... I think the Dodgers and a couple other teams, maybe the Rangers, have all you know basically just started started practice like late last week. So um, yeah, there's going to be a wide you know kind of variance in who's who's really ready to go and how prepared various teams are. Um, as far as the Tigers are concerned, like things seem to have gone pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple guys missing, but everything's gone off on schedule. So. I don't know. I mean, there there might be an, an advantage there that they're they're just you know have have had things go reasonably well. Michigan, um, it's after being one of the major hotspots in April, is in far better shape now. So they're at a little bit less risk than yeah teams trying to play in Southern California, Texas, Arizona, Florida. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know what what any of that portends, but um, man, this is all very weird. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it's deeply unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's really, no way to compare it to anything we've ever witnessed before. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Which, um, yeah, just just leads to you know, kind of an inability to make uh, or even or, or when people do come with like the strong takes. I am. I'm just kind of mocking them because it's like it's just like no, nobody knows. Nobody knows this is going to happen. Yeah, uh, none of us are. Yeah. None of us know what will happen until it happens at this point. Yeah, we do know um, one thing is going to happen, assuming we get there, and that's that it appears that as as one would hope, uh, Mr. Matt Boyd is going to be our opening day starter. Um, so, <laughs> Ron Gardner did not confirm this 100, percent but he he. What is that? A um, there's a non-denial denial and then there's this must be a non-confirmed confirmation yeah a garden hireism what did he say he said uh he'll let us know um when he can confirm when he's allowed to tell us that matt boyd will be the opening day starter (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah which means um i don't know if cody stavenhagen listens to our podcast or not i know he's been on it um i owe him an apology (laughs) (laughs) Because I 100% said to him on Twitter, I'm like, have you even met Ron Gardenhire? Of course, Jordan Zimmerman will be the opening day starter. Yep. Because, frankly, that has been how things have gone in the Gardenhire era. Yeah. It's all based on seniority and how long a player has been playing. And that's how he picks his opening day starter. The oldest school guy gets the start. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah, that boy deserves it, no question whatsoever. Absolutely. I mean, he, he's unquestionably, yeah, the, the staff ace, um, such as it is. Yeah. And and one of the the biggest leaders on the team, obviously. So, yeah, he's got to be the one in there. Um, so we got that piece of news. Um, and we also got a couple others because the Tigers um, released Zach Godley um, a couple days ago, um, who didn't look too bad in the, the one outing I saw him, but, you know, just isn't wasn't going to do much for you other than kind of be like a, a, a long relief type or something like that. So um, the Tigers cut him. And interestingly, like the the Boston Red Sox snatched him right up and um, a couple of our uh, Boston uh, cohort in the SB Nation channel were um, were talking about the fact that he was probably their number 2 starter. So that tells yeah, you right. uh, that tells you where the Boston Red Sox fan base is at right at the moment, which is delicious. Good yeah, I mean I'm not going to complain about it. Mm. I know, you know what's funny is that sometimes they do look for some sympathy and I'm just like you have got to be kidding me. Yeah, <laughs> there's no, no sympathy for y'all. Sorry. Yep. You know, get your fans right out there chasing Mookie Betts out of there because he doesn't want to deal with all the uh, the screaming idiots in the outfield. Um, oh, who can blame him? And let's see. So we've got a couple, we've got two more pieces of news then because, yeah, there's spaces opening up here. And so um, Alex Lang and Zach Hess, um, two of the Tigers' best relief prospects, have been added to the player pool. Um, so they probably, I would assume, will, um, will be taxi squatting it most of the year unless uh, one of them shows something. The way Nolan Blackwood um, has this year, another guy who, you know, based on how far he'd progressed through the minor leagues, you wouldn't have really thought he would be there, but um, he's throwing strikes, and the stuff is pretty funky, and Ron Gardenhire loves to have him, you know, like some kind of a, you know, Steve C-Shack type, uh, <laughs> type kind of side armor, someone with a funky angle. So he may uh, he may win the, the funky angle job <laughs> key angle job i love that they gotta have that guy you know there's always got to be that guy so yeah so yeah so that'll be kind of cool um i'm i'm pretty interested in zach hess um in particular so i'm just kind of curious to see how he, how he shapes up against um the guys he'll be facing 
but it's been weird like watching the prospects like interacting with the the major league players and because the major leaguers aren't going 100 percent, it can it can fool you like you know we're watching Derek Hill like getting hits and like you know diving all over the place in center field running the ball down like a madman and you start to look at it and you're like, man, I don't know. Derek Hill might be the best player on the field, you know, other than Riley, <laughs> other than Riley Green. Yeah, well, when you're looking at it and Derek Hill and Riley Green are your most exciting players, it doesn't really say a lot for the existing core of players. And then the other thing I had to think about the other day was how many pickups the Tigers made in the offseason that I would 100% forgotten about. Like, because nothing was happening, I'm like, oh, yeah, CJ Crone. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Scope. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I, and actually, those have Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have all these players on our team. I'm like, oh, that's right. Who are these guys? Jordy Mercer. Yeah, he's back. Yep, yep. He's, he's looking like he's he's angling to be the, the utility infielder, I would I would expect. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. No, it's fine. I mean, I, I know they love the dude. And uh, I don't know if they really had somebody else I wanted to, wanted to see play. Um, I'd be more up in arms about it, but it seems like Jamer Candelario is going to get, you know, probably most of the time at third base. I haven't really seen Dawel Lugo do much of anything. Um, so, but again, I, I hate to say that because we're only getting these weird bursts and, and little looks at what's going on there. So it's hard to know what the, what the Tigers think. And it's hard to know, you know, watching from their perspective, like what kind of pitching each guy is, is facing because, you know, we're not seeing most of these at bats and we're not seeing like who's who's throwing like they're ready for the, you know, for the season to start and who still looks like they need, you know, three weeks to, to get it going. There's a lot of details there that are just just kind of hard to parse. So, yeah, it has been good to talk to uh, Mr. Staven Hagen a little bit. Um, we had those two podcasts up on the site that you can check out. Um, that's two lengthy, lengthy interviews with um, with Cody. So yeah, it helps. Uh, it helps to have the view from you know from down there as to what's going on. And yeah, I mean, you look at the offense, and CJ Crone and Jonathan Scope are both looking like they're swinging the bat pretty well, and that adds some some real power and depth to the lineup. Um, Miguel Cabrera came into summer camp looking at least as good as he did in the spring, which is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's a little bit of offense there. Nico's looked pretty good at the plate. Um, has looked a little sloppy defensively. Uh, I saw some things today, like where you know someone didn't someone didn't tag up on a fly ball to center. I think it was Kristen Stewart at third, like took a few steps down the line, and then the ball was caught and had to run back. So, Tiger baseball, um, that particular brand of um, not necessarily the smartest, most heads up play going on out there. That that's been familiar at least. So vaguely sloppy shenanigans. Yep, exactly. So yeah, you know, it's looking uh, it's looking like a Tigers baseball team. Um, I just, yeah, it's just really hard to get a read. Like, is is this rotation going to be kind of okay? Um, last year, they were actually pretty much middle of the pack. And you would think, you know, an extra year for Spencer Turnbull and then bringing in Nova um, as a little better Having Fulmer back. Yeah, having Fulmer back out there. You know, having Casey Mize, you know, hopefully available, you know, a couple weeks into the season. Yeah, there's a, there's a chance that the pitching staff could actually be fairly good. And, um... That would be nice to see, and it would kind of set them up for for how they want to approach the offseason. I think like what I would hope more than anything is that it would look like, okay, they're pitching well, a couple of the young guys are hitting well, and it encourages Chris Illich in an offseason which there is going to be like zero free agent dollars spent to just, you know, start working his way in there. Like you don't have to like go ham and sign like the biggest player out there, but but keep hunting for those bargains and, and locking them up for a couple years, um, rather than just kind of 
Yeah. yeah. The, the, you know, the mercenary. third baseman. Do something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, we got Torkelson now, right? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Spencer's not quite major league ready. Yep. If we could find a stopgap for two to three years, I think that would give us enough time. Yep. Yep. Should have got Travis Shaw last offseason, Tigers. But even like a guy like him, CJ Crown. I know I'm going to go back and play the old favorites here, but yeah, you know, CJ Crown. Like, I, I'd love to have CJ Crown on for another year or two. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be fine. We don't really have a second baseman. Isaac Paredes, um, I don't believe, has, has been able to get out of Mexico. Um, they're announcing things, you know, like the positive COVID test guys right now are just getting put on the 10 day injured list, and we don't really know why necessarily um you, you tend to assume that if no no injury is announced that it is probably positive covid test but then yeah. you don't like to make that assumption though i think we should yeah. keep that in mind is that while it may be the obvious thing i get really annoyed at reports that just say well it hasn't been said this but i'm pretty sure it is because it's just a dangerous thing to speculate about yeah um but it is worth noting the way that they're announced like so like you make a valid point if they're not talking about an injury it's because there's different we kind of talked about this is that there's different allowances that players have given teams when it comes to sharing information about their their bodies in that players have i don't know if it's like a signed agreement with the cba and part of it is that they will allow teams to disclose injuries basically so any injury which has occurred to them in in the course of play the team can make uh, known to you know to the press and to the public by extension but covid because it's a disease and you'll if, if you pay attention to it during the season you'll actually notice it for other things too is that they're a bit more cagey about stuff like if somebody has a flu or if somebody has something that isn't injury related that's keeping them from playing they're not yeah. Typically outright saying, oh, well, he, you know, he's got, you know, food poisoning or he's got this thing. It's like for a non-disclosed reason or for like, yeah, non-disclosed health reason. And I think we're seeing more of that now with COVID and that these guys are being placed on the list. And like, yeah, I think most of us can make an assumption as to why they're there, but they can't actually outright say it without the player's permission. Yeah. And it, and, you know, it very well could be some of those other things too. I mean, like a good example was Leonis Martin um, having that bacterial infection that almost killed him, and they, you know, mm-hmm. they couldn't really say what was going on early in that. Um, Daniel Norris, when he had thyroid cancer, you know, that was up to him to announce. The same thing with Carlos Carrasco and and yep. leukemia. So, yeah, you know, that that's on up to the player. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe right before opening day, they do have to make some kind of an announcement, like as far as like. And, I, and that may be as simple as just like illness or what, you know, what the general injury is. Um, so at some point there will be, have to, you know, there'll have to be a declaration. But um, it seems like for the most part, like players have been have been fairly open about it. But yeah, it's just it's just hard to know if, you know, all we're getting basically is like the, the, the raw results as to how many positive yeah. tests or whatever there are. So, well, and the other Daniel thing, Nor- too, is that- Daniel Norris wanted everyone to know because he's been injured so many damn times. He wanted yeah. to make sure people knew he wasn't injured. He was, he was just. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is I think a lot of them just feel like they have to because of the level of speculation. Like, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. If yeah. you're not there, you're not showing up at games. Like, people are just going to start making those assumptions on on your behalf so either you're going to come out and say yeah this is the situation that i'm in or people are just going to start doing it out for you yep exactly yep so 
yeah, it just kind of puts them as as everyone's been and and the players have certainly been in most of this year in in kind of a weird position that way. But um, yeah, so such are the times. Um. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let me just look something up real quick here because I had a um, question. Unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. They have been, um, yeah, I don't know, just to... to, to touch on Spencer Torkelson briefly, like they have been playing him at third quite a bit. And he's obviously working with Alan Trammell a lot. Um, yeah. Do you care? Now that he knows who he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I know. Do you, uh, do you, I mean, do you care that they're doing that with them? Um, does it, does it bother you at all? Why or... would it bother me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they announced him as a third baseman, right? Like it may not have been kind of what people expected from him, but you know, a lot of guys, especially when they're that young are really adaptable to different positions. And why the heck not, now that you've got him and you've got the opportunity to have him playing the same year you've drafted him, why not give him some reps at third and see how he does and see if that really is where you want to build him long term. Yeah, and just and just work at it. Like, it, it can't really, it can't hurt him, you know. It, it could make him a better third baseman to, to play third um, in truth. So, yeah, I don't have any problem with that either. Um, although, like, the early returns, I've still been like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> just don't, no, I, mean, I don't like see that... it happening. But he is he is only 20, too, and that's, I, I guess that's another thing we could point out, that he and Gage Workman, um, both who were the two Tigers draft picks out of Arizona State, uh, both of them are 20. And um, for college juniors, that's pretty young, and that gives them both, you know, theoretically a little bit more projection than maybe your average college draft pick. So... Um, yeah, trying to rework their body and, and test them out on those things and, and just kind of see what they're, what they're capable of and whether it's, it's realistic to play, you know, Torkelson somewhere else other than first is perfectly fine. I am, I'm not bothered. Hasn't looked great at the plate, but, um, you, you can kind of see just like, you know, the, that the, the plate discipline and the awareness and the eye are all there. Um, you know, he just, just hasn't uh, run into anything yet. I'm sure as soon as he does, it will be all over Twitter and everyone's going to be frothing at the mouth because uh, Riley Green is just getting love like crazy on mm-hmm. Twitter all over the place all day. So, yeah, which has been fun. I mean, I'm I'm in the same fan club. Yeah. I mean, the other one I've been excited to see is some Jake Rogers making some adjustments at the plate. He's been looking pretty solid. Yeah. So not mad at any of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's... um. You know, we're not going to get a good feel for it, but one of the things that interested me most this year was just the fact that they changed the player development, you know, squad so much. And then we also saw, you know, a lot of players like working with outside coaches and Jake Rogers was, mm-hmm. was certainly maybe the, the biggest example of going to work with um, Doug Lotto, who's a really highly regarded individual or, or personal swing coach. Um, and he's come back, yeah, with a lot flatter swing. He cut the leg kick down. He's got his hands down a little bit lower. You know, we we kind of saw Jacoby Jones do some of those things last year, and while he was banged up, um, as per usual, a lot of the season, when he was healthy, um, Jacoby Jones kind of looked like, oh, wait a minute, we, we might have the breakout coming. So um, he'll be another one to watch this year on, on that score. But yeah, Jake Rogers has uh, been striping the ball on the line um, into right center field quite a bit. It seems like he's trying to go that way a little bit more. 
Um, he's hit a home run or two in, in inner squad action as well. So um, that his progression should be interesting to see this year. I'm just not sure whether or not he's going to get the starting job because it does feel like, well, not the starting job, but the backup job because it feels like they really want to try Eric Haas and we'll probably take Grayson Griner north at some point as well, too. And maybe Rogers will. Well, don't forget they've got a Romine. Well, yeah, he'll be the starter. Sure. Yep. Well, that's <laughs> like, what I was saying. He was the starter. Just, yeah. Who's getting the backup jobs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and watching Romine behind the plate has been pretty cool, too, because um, you, you can see the framing and, and the balance and the blocking ability um, back there. I mean, I've always thought he was a pretty pretty good catcher watching him with the Yankees, um, but seeing him out there catching some of the prospects and talking with him and um, stealing some strikes for him and stuff like that. It's been, been you know, pretty encouraging just to see that the you know overall that group should have a pretty good leadership um, from a guy who's, you know, played in a lot of, lot of big games and um, in an organization that is, you know, pretty strict and, and really does things their way and, and, you know, has a whole process for how their catchers approach the game. Uh, he, uh-huh. he should be bringing some of that in. Yeah, I was talking to Patrick O'Kennedy briefly last night and we were just talking about, um, you know, the different is like Joe Vavra going to make a big difference as, as the hitting coach. And I, I think like the most interesting point is that it's not just Joe Vavra anymore. Like they've still got Lloyd McClendon as the bench coach, you know, like if, if a certain guy liked working with Lloyd or they had some rapport, he's still there. Um, they brought in Kenny Graham. Um, so he's now the director of player development, but he was also the minor league hitting coordinator for the Milwaukee Brewers for years. And he's down at Comerica Park working with people as well. So um, they've just got like a little bit more variety. Um, it's a little bit more of a crowdsourced um, cro- coaching approach, which is something I've wanted to see ever since Avila took over was to start bringing in people from other successful organizations and, you know, kind of kind of put all that different knowledge together and, and kind of have, you know, a whole bunch of different looks from, from coaches to, for players to, to turn to. So um, I am curious to see how that plays out long-term, but you know, in 60 games, again, it's, it's going to be hard to tell. We're, we're going to be doing the thing where we short sample size things. And, you know, I mean, if a player is like red hot in mid August, you know, it's like, Oh my God, they're, you know, they're, they might win the batting title. And it's like, yeah, you know, we've we've also only played like 19 games, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, they might. Yeah, it's like maybe let's calm down, but also they might, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's not like... the, it's not the usual batting title, so yeah, y'all are gonna have to settle down a little bit. Um, None of it actually matters. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. Um, to go back to um, you know, so a, a topic that has been popular um between both of us and your your other beloved team, the Rays, for a few years, but yeah, the um. You know, the mix and matching of, of starting and, and openers and, you know, middle relief guys, you know, t- piggybacking and like planned, planned ways, all that sort of thing. I, I really hope that we, we see them be more creative with that stuff this year and early returns from, from Ron Gardenhire, although he did mention it with Fulmer, still seems like he's, he's pretty well set on taking like his five guys and, and just kind of using a ton of relievers, um, which, which yeah. they can do, but there's so many opportunities there. It just seems like... You know, you, you could, other than Matt Boyd and, and I guess Spencer Turnbull, like nobody else has any, you know, right or claim to be, you know, expecting to go out there and have the leash to go six, seven innings. So, um, yeah, I, w- I wish they would do that. You know, they've got ground ballers like Nova. Um, they've got, you know, whatever's left for Zim. And then they're going to be trying to put together this fifth starting spot with, you know, Fulmer not being at 100%. And Daniel Norris probably not going to be ready. 
Um, so yeah, I really wish they would kind of mix and match a little bit more. So, I mean, and maybe they will, like they don't, the Tigers sometimes just don't, or at least Ron Gardenhire doesn't like to talk about it in, in those terms, um, uh, because it sounds woo woo to his, uh, his sensibilities. Yeah. It's too, too, too fancy newfangled. Yeah. But then, you know, when the season starts, he may very well just be yanking guys after three innings because he's got, you know, whatever, 12 guys in the bullpen instead of uh, the usual seven or eight. And he'll be wanting to get everyone working, so maybe it'll it'll just kind of all work out this way, um, and we and you know even if they're not necessarily trying to make it happen, um, yeah, they might just be forced into it. Really, mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah, a lot of these decisions are just you know it, it's just gonna um, just gonna be circumstance. Like a lot of it's gonna be decided for them. As you know, I wrote that wrote that piece uh, with the <laughs> and I had the header on it that COVID-19 is your general manager now. And uh, Rob, yes. Rob switched that to a more reasonable title and just used that in a tweet. But yeah, I mean, that really is, really is how it feels like, uh, yeah, the, the, the testing and, and who's, who's healthy and who isn't is going to be making all these decisions. And uh, teams are just going to kind of have to roll with whatever they got. Um, I have seen, did you get a chance to see Michael Fulmer pitch yet at all? I haven't. Okay. It's been really hard to find clips of anything that are, like, worth watching. Yeah, it's just, like, a couple pitches from, like, a weird angle um, more often than not so far. Hasn't been the usual highlight packages. Yeah, it's been kind of hard to watch. So, really, I've just been hearing and seeing the tweet updates from people that are actually there at the games from a very far distance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's... He's definitely changed his delivery, and you know, I guess the first thing is that you notice how how much leaner he is. Like he really does look like he's lost quite he a bit. He does look fit. Like I've seen him since he got back, and he looks like he's slimmed down a lot. He looks really muscular. He looks really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. T- I mean, you don't really doubt Michael Fulmer's work ethic, work ethic, but yeah, he definitely looks like he was he was uh, pretty much crushing it. So yeah, I mean, he's looking slender. He's changed his delivery a little bit to try to take a little bit of the pressure off his right knee. He's not sort of like kinking that right knee in and, and driving off it quite as much. He's he's swing, you know, he's doing what you really should do and getting his his lead leg out there. Um, and rather than kind of like stepping to the third base side, he's stepping much more on point to home plate and and getting his stride, you know, right on plane with home plate, which is um, better for your release, but not as good for your deception. So. Um, it's going to be interesting just to see how his stuff plays because I, I know he's not throwing as hard as he used to right now. <clears throat> There's a pretty good chance, you know, based on what we see from Tommy John surgeries that he will be throwing 95, 96, um, once, once he's kind of stretched out and, and built back up a little bit. But, um, I'm not sure that his stride length is going to be quite as long. Um, I'm not quite sure how the, how the fastball is going to play, but, it still looks like Michael Fulmer somehow. Like he's still getting to a nice high arm slot, throwing downhill. Saw some good sliders. Um, saw a couple good changeups out of him. So, I mean, everything seems to be coming along pretty well. And again, yeah, like winning this season isn't isn't the the goal. But if they can get Michael Fulmer to pitch every fifth day and and keep getting better and better as it goes along, um, that that would be a huge win for this season. And so far, yeah, you know, the returns look I think pretty promising. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like I know he had a rough little bit of a start there a couple times, but he seems to be making adjustments to kind of find his way back to it and it's really good to see that so early on. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um Matt May- I wanted to mention Matt Manning because um, he was on the mound again today and gave up I think three runs. Um, you know, it was like a couple blue pits and then Riley Green took him deep on a change up away and like just just smoked it into the 
the visiting bullpen, I think, or maybe that was the home bullpen, but um, which is another point in Riley Green's favor. But yeah, Matt Manning compared to Casey Mize hasn't looked nearly um, as sharp. Like the breaking ball hasn't been as good as it usually is. Command hasn't been that good. Um, doesn't seem to, to, to be rearing back and throwing super hard yet. So um, he'll be another one that'll be interesting to watch because he's basically a year behind Casey Mize in his development. And even though he, for me, he's their top prospect. And I think um, long-term he's the one with the, the most upside. Casey Mize is just definitely like way more polished and, and, and about ready to go. So maybe Matt Manning will get some relief time. Um, I would love to see them like bring Manning and Tarek Skubal when he's ready to go, uh. put those two guys in the, in the bullpen with, you know, Jimenez and Farmer. And um, yeah, you might see some fireworks from that group. That That would be pretty cool. And I, You've got to bring these guys up this year, I think, if they're pitching well. Like, they, they need to pitch in some games. You're not going to, you know, hurt their service time or any of that business. Well, so just, and it's just not do like it. they're It's not like they're going to get the proper reps in a minor league season. They have nothing else to do except kind of bide their time and wait in taxi squad land. Yeah, just playing like, against each other in these, like, yeah. inner squad games. Yeah, how are you going to get your juices up for, you know, two months in Toledo, you know, when when you're not really facing, like, pressure and, and stress and all that kind of stuff so <clears throat> yeah i hope since they've got these guys that they that they do plan to use i hope so too i think it'll also make the season more interesting and engaging to watch for fans um yep. which is something it desperately needs yep absolutely like if we're gonna do this you know you gotta make it as entertaining as possible and take the opportunity to you know get your prospects you know that your top guys who were you know fairly close to being ready anyway Get them in there, get their feet wet, um, let them see what it's about, and then um, you know you can take your time with them next year. But they'll at least kind of know what they're working for. So I also really like it from the standpoint of like, yeah, you're going to be stuck in Toledo for a couple you know weeks at least. You know, you you have something to play for. Like if you're down there and you're throwing really good, and everybody's like, oh yeah, the stuff is just dancing. You're look, he's looking great, or he's swinging the bat really well. You know, you should know that you have a chance to come up. And yeah, and get a little bit of a look. Um, I think um, just just having that carrot at the end of the stick would be would be helpful for those guys too. Um, no, I think it'll be. I'm so excited to see some of those guys play in real games. Yeah, yeah, seeing them together is pretty cool. Like, yeah, it's just like seeing Miguel Cabrera like you know hitting against Matt Manning. Like, that, just just the idea of it is like just making me real tingly. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I mean, you've been excited about that since like two years ago three years ago like you were itching to see those guys and that was all you wanted to talk about so i think the fact that it's just so damn close to actually happening is uh is very exciting yep everybody um all the fans out there who converted to you know to prospect hounding um <laughs> rather than watching as much of the tigers the past couple of years yeah it's all kind of starting to come to fruition where you can see some of these guys being pretty close so yeah, that that part of it's exciting. Long way to go to uh, to build a winner here, but um, at least it feels like phase one is kind of complete, to where they're one of uh-huh. the top couple farm systems now, and they just need to you know make a whole bunch of great trades, make a whole bunch of great free agent signings, and then get lucky a little bit, and uh, bam, we should have this thing locked down by like what twenty twenty four. You know, Book you it. say that like it's like I think it's I I'm not mad at that twenty twenty four. While very far away, <laughs> yeah, it is. Be, would still be okay, and it would be what forty years exactly from yeah, the yeah. nineteen eighty four win. Yep. Did I do that math right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> now you got it. No, not I, a very good math brain person. Well, in twenty fourteen, we were all like, oh, 30 exactly. years. You know, yeah. 
I think there's kind of something poetic about that. Yeah, just don't take till 2024 to be, like, competitive. Like, God, like, next year they should be trying to be, like, a 500 team who's building something. And uh, you can't just keep being bad forever. We should pick nice and high next year. The draft was good. The Tigers drafting overall seems like it's gotten uh, better. The past couple years have been pretty good. And, um, yeah, I think that bodes well for the future, too, when they're not necessarily picking, you know, top five every every year and and being terrible (laughs) every season. Yes. Um, we had, like, before we bounce out of here, let's see, there's, like, two questons to answer. Uh, Bunyan121314 <laughs> asks, uh, <laughs> how many draftees um, from this class will be in the Tigers' top ten prospects right now? And, obviously, Spencer Torkelson. I think, and Dylan Dingler should make it to the catcher. Uh, I think he'll probably be around eight or nine. We're make, we are making up and finalizing our list right now, um, and once the season starts, we'll start writing up the um, the midsummer BYB prospect list, the top thirty. Uh, I don't think anybody else is going to make it. I think Daniel Cabrera, if I'm not mistaken, came in just outside the top ten. Um, I think that's arguable, but yeah, it would probably uh, probably just Dingler and Torkelson, and it's been cool that um, Dingler got to, to come to camp too. Um, I, I know like. Jordy Mercer and some of the the veteran guys, Cam Maven, were like, you know, giving those guys a lot of grief about the fact that like, oh, you guys get drafted and like, here you are playing in the majors with us. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't have to work for it. There's no bus rides, you know, across like, you know, tiny town to town trips in <laughs> yeah, Iowa and all just, that kind of crap. No, you're just right here. Okay. Right with the big boys right away. Yeah, that's got to be pretty, uh, pretty cool and pretty exciting for those guys. Um let's see oh okay and then subic sailor ah oh, good to see him um or her i guess possibly but God. yeah don't don't make judgments brandon a, you don't know what a sexist bastard i am <laughs> um <laughs> let's see yes any plans for a camp in lakeland um the young guys need to play if not in florida um could they maybe do a league in puerto rico or the dominican republic what's the latest mm, no yeah well you know i've been i asked cody to kind of check into like what they're going to do um it was something we were kind of talking about and i know he's you know trying to investigate and figure out what the tigers are doing with the other prospects who aren't in camp um and you know i don't know if there's going to be like remote coaching where those guys are like you know can hit in cages or pitch in cages um or or throw bullpens um to whoever's you know in in their immediate vicinity and maybe like do video conferencing with the coaching staff it seems like some stuff like that will ha- will happen um i think Right now, like the way I mean, the, the way the country is trending COVID-wise, it doesn't feel like my dreams of a, you know, all prospects, like Arizona Fall League, you know, Futures League type situation is going to come to pass. Um, I think they're probably going to have to wait, you know, and, and see how things play out, and then maybe do some kind of winter ball or or winter instructional camp. Um, there, there's talk of doing an instructional league, you know, kind of or at least camps. Um, like as the season ends, but right now that it just seems like that's that's pretty sketchy. Whereas like in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, from from what I'm hearing, a lot of the guys who are you know kind of stuck there and can't you know can't come here and don't have anywhere to play, like they're doing what a lot of the major leaguers were doing over the last three months, which is just kind of getting together informally and playing scrimmages. Um, and unfortunately, that might be that might be all that's really available to those guys until, you know, we get to winter ball and, um, and see if, you know, that, that that's feasible. I would assume it probably would be in the Dominican, um, this winter, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I, I feel I just feel real uncomfortable um, in my in my pseudo role as half-assed baseball expert um, epidemiologist. <laughs> like so, yeah, I just don't know. <laughs> really Wait, don't know. That's the thing. You can't predict anything like that. You can't know what is and isn't even going to be possible as far as travel is concerned. Yeah. And like, it's tough. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, teams are are thinking about it. Um, I know the Tigers player development staff at least is like you know brainstorming this. Like you know what what is the best way to to try to get these guys, you know, is whatever the best work that we can get them. Um, it's helpful that most of their, their top prospects are actually in camp, but I think of guys like um, Cody Clemens, Parker Meadows. Um, who else am I thinking of? Uh, oh, Bryant Packard, Cooper Johnson. Like, they're, you know, some of those guys, you know, I hope that they're putting together, like, really comprehensive, like, workout plans and conditioning plans for those guys to at least – try to take advantage of, of the time off to like get in, you know, prime shape. Like you got to try to do that. And then, yeah, otherwise, I mean, I, I think it's just going to be a lot of like video coaching um, until they figure out a way to, to actually have official games. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not ideal for development. Um, you know, everybody's in the same boat at least, but overall, like, you know, this whole year for, for minor leaguers out there, they've just gotten boned so hard in every way, and it, it really just sucks. Um, I honestly haven't even wanted to think about it that much because, you know, it's it's just awful. Like, so many of these dudes' like dreams are just getting absolutely just curb stomped mm-hmm. um, in the middle of a, a fight between, you know, billionaire owners and, you know, the players. And, yeah, it's just like, you know, th- those guys got their rights kind of, kind of undercut, and then... Uh, yeah, and now they're not playing, and we're also seeing college programs thinking about cutting down on baseball. Um, we're going to see the minor leagues contracted, all of which will probably have no negative impact on baseball as a whole. But it just sucks. Um, it just sucks for a lot of people and for kind of the the side of baseball that's just about you know enjoying games, you know, and going to games and you know having live baseball available all around the country and. Um, you know, there being jobs for, you know, for guys who are in baseball or, and girls in baseball. Oh my God, I did it again. And then, um, and, and <laughs> people, Scott, you people. can just say people, Brandon. We did just have like international non-binary person. Uh, I, I know. Speak, I know. So. Yep. Just, just, uh, just got to refer to, to the persons. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I guess that's, you know, that, that's just the way it is. Unfortunately, like it's just, it's just really kind of bad all around. It's not, not a great time for for minor league players. Um, but it's not a, not a great time for a lot of people. So, you know, I don't know. I assume there's probably a lot of minor leaguers who are older, who are really having to have that conversation with themselves. Like is, you know, is this time to pull the plug and, and go and move on to whatever their career is going to be. Um, and then for the young guys, it's just like, you know, hopefully just staying in shape and, you know, working as hard as they can to, to stay ready for when the call comes next year. And, uh, hopefully they're, um, fed and watered in the meantime and you know have, have some way of taking care of themselves because good grief like the you know the stipend isn't, isn't too bad but that's not going to last much much longer um i don't think any teams have really committed to to paying it um past august yet although presumably they will they will keep it up um at least that long but that's typically when the minor league season ends and if they decide to cut it off then yeah there's going to be a lot of a lot of people scrambling out there i'm afraid 
All right. Yeah, it's going to be pretty, pretty sad, pretty, pretty sucky. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's not going to see an immediate impact. We're not going to really feel it. But all of those small towns that rely on it, all the people that work at those stadiums, like, you know, announcers that were looking to use it as a leg up to get jobs in MLB or higher levels of minor league yeah. ball, like it... <laughs> Yeah, it's a pipeline it for a lot more right than right down the ladder. Yeah, yeah, a pipeline for a lot more than just players. And um, yeah, right now it's clogged. Um, you know, we, like we keep bringing up the Erie Sea Wolves because you know they had that big public investment in their stadium and um, you know did this huge renovation. And yeah, and you know all all that's just kind of sitting there and um, and hemorrhaging money. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see how these things play out. Like this is going to be a crazy off season for sure. <laughs> Like in the decisions that that have to come as far as yeah free agency that minor leagues and um, all that and then prepping for the next CBA it's it's going to get ugly so hopefully just for the next two months um, we'll just we'll have a, a nice window of baseball with um, no tragedy and um, or at least like just the usual tragedies I don't know <laughs> um, and uh, just be able to enjoy some some ball as we uh, try to all get through this thing so I think that'll about wrap it up for tonight. Yeah, man. All right. Ashley's got um, got little nutmeg with her. So, um, yeah, scratch nutmeg on the head and tell him he's a good kitty. All right. He has left me. He has gone to the oh. cat tower and is no longer sitting and purring on me. What a jerk. Yeah, he abandoned um, the podcast, mid-podcast. He did. What a bastard. Yeah, I, was, I was talking too close to his face, and he definitely <laughs> was like, no, no, I'm going to go sleep elsewhere. But I can see him, and I will pet him afterwards for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, Everyone who's disappointed to me for not giving him a tiger-themed name for an orange <laughs> cat, I'm aware I failed everyone. <laughs> yeah, you could have called him Torkelson or something. Man. <laughs> yeah, little, little wee little Spencer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a little bit of a Spencer look, but Nutmeg is pretty pretty good name. Yeah. The second I saw him, I'm just like, Nutmeg. <laughs> so, he, looks, he looks Nutmeg-ish. Yeah, he gets called Nugget about 10,000 times more yeah. more common. Then he gets called nutmeg, but you know, yeah, it is. What it is. That's kind of how it's been with almost all my cats. Is that you know they they have their name, and then there's the ten thousand things I actually like refer to them as oh, in yeah, baby talk. The, so. <laughs> absolute running joke with pet parents is you give their given name and the name you actually call them are very different things. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like I have a dog named Ruby, but I hundred percent call her Rhubarb all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, rhubarb rubes. Yeah, yeah, ruby rube. Yes, Hagrid, Rubik's Cube, Ruby Tuesday. <laughs> oh, you yeah. betcha, just the gamut. Yep, that's how it goes. Alrighty, folks, we will. Um, I, let's see. We'll probably wait until like right before this thing starts, and then try to do like a like a opening day pod. So um, yeah, you can uh, look for that and. Um, you know, for everybody, um, kind of, kind of worrying that there isn't like the usual like ton of content um, on the site. Brace yourself. Yeah, hang, hang in there. Like we'll, we're getting it together. Don't worry. We'll be, we'll be back strong shortly. And um, yep, we'll uh, get back to you, uh, back at you guys all again next week. Ashley, have a good night. <laughs> you too, man. We'll see you soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.